Hello, and welcome to the Moving Stevens Point Forward podcast, a podcast focused on the community of Stevens Point in central Wisconsin. Your host, John Yeager, will discuss the amenities, community events, businesses, and groups that make central Wisconsin unique. Thanks for listening, and be sure to spread the word about our podcast. And now, on to today's show. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is John with Point Forward Physical Therapy, and today I have Janelle McCarvel from well now from Spash basketball but we were talking prior to this and there's there's extensive we have a lot to cover so let's just start out with that Janelle how did you end up well let's start out with how you ended up in Stevens Point and we'll build from there as to where you are now okay then well um mommy and daddy found Stevens Point very appealing way back in the day so we they bought a farm out in Custer and Stevens Point Custer area has been my home born and raised ever since uh, 1982. So that's why I'm in the area. Recently come back from playing basketball overseas. Um, it has been my profession, so I really stick with uh, the ball is life aspect and stuck right into it. Uh, Craig Terpstra had asked me if I was interested in coaching the JV team last year, and I took that opportunity and said yes, and that's what kind of linked me to stay in the area for a longer period than just the year I had planned. So where did basketball start for you? Is that something you did on the farm? Is that something that you picked up in school? Um, I played it a little bit in elementary. Uh, I played a little bit of hoops, which is the girls, you know, summer program or winter program that we do. Um, And then just kind of got away from it. Life on the farm. Father was away working in Milwaukee. Mom was home alone. Uh, Other brothers did sports as well. So you know, basketball really wasn't a priority. I think in seventh and eighth grade, I kind of got more into it. And by ninth grade, I was interested. Um, never, ever did I think that it would take me where it took has, has taken me. But, um, you know, I dove headfirst into it, fell in love, and it became that. So let's talk about where it took you because you, you played through high school and then for Spash. <clears throat> and then tell me where life went after that, if you would. All right. After Spash, I uh, received a scholarship. From a few universities in the area, I ended up choosing the University of Minnesota, Golden Gophers, um, and spent four years there, went to a Final Four. We lost in the Final Four to the UConn Huskies, who ended up winning the championship. I think they had won 100 and some straight games and four straight, you know, so like we put a dent in it, but we didn't quite get over that hurdle. From college, I was drafted uh, to the Charlotte Sting. Um, spent two years there, spent, uh, three years in New York, four years in New York from New York. I was, uh, fined because I didn't show up because I was in Europe. We'll get to the Europe aspect here in a second. Um, but I ended up sitting out two years from New York and then got traded to Minnesota where I ended up winning a WNBA title in 2013 and played in 2000. 14 and then again in 2016 and then I stepped away from that um in terms of European basketball I've played overseas ever since 2005 until 2022 so in those countries I went to Slovakia Italy Poland China Russia Sweden a couple of them twice Turkey Poland Sweden Slovakia you know like so (laughs) Around, um, I got a couple stints with Team USA and uh, got to play in a Pan American game in Cuba. So the only time I've ever gone to Cuba was with Team USA. You're and probably the first person I've met that 
has been to Cuba. I was going to say, not a lot of people get it. And we got the VIP tour and aspect of it. So it was pretty cool. I bet it was. So through all of that, where did the head coaching thing or coaching come into it? Was that something that you thought, wow, I, I love this so much. I want to build into that in the future. Uh, it was more along the lines of, I'm so good at this. Maybe I can teach other people to be good at it. Okay. You know, I think, uh, I don't, I never really thought about being a coach until about five years back when I went overseas one of the last times. Um, and then I just said to the club that I would like to try, you know, to coach and they gave me a young team and I stuck with that young team and did well enough that, you know, I wanted to upgrade and then went to the women's team that I played on as an assistant coach doing scouting, video, game prep, practice prep. Um, so it just kind of developed. And then three years later, here I am, you know, luckily head coach at Spash stepped down and I was right here to, you know, step in and it just kind of snowballed in the right direction. That's <laughs> how I would look at it. So, so far, because you've coached uh, like for different Different levels. We'll go with that. Different levels. What What do you think your biggest biggest accomplishment thus far has been? Mm, I'd say player development. Having I've taken some players who have never played and given them, you know, some of the keys and uh, fundamentals, and had them develop into becoming a player and understanding what needs to happen on the court. Uh, and that's been in the states and in Europe. In Europe, they really kind of thought they wanted me to change the culture of women's or girls basketball because it's very mm, anti-touch in a way you know like everybody likes their own personal space and oh. contact is not necessarily something sure. people look for uh, where in in the states you know we strive for contact and we hold people off and try to get to the basket with our bodies and you know european aspect is not that it's speed and ability to just get around somebody rather than use your body to hold them off and still be able to score or um, commit to something. So you don't have go-through-them drills in Europe? <sighs> no, they do not have go-through-them <laughs> drills in Europe. They have do-not-touch-me-and-go-around-me drills. <laughs> so basketball is kind of, I mean, we talked a little bit before we started, but what was the phrase you use? Balling is life? Or? Ball is life, yes. yes. Tell me <clears throat> how, I mean how basketball has influenced like who you are, not so much what you do, but who you are. Sure. Um, truly shaped me into the person I am. Um, problem solving, communication skills, team building, uh, individual. Um, uh, like I found myself in a way on the court. Um, and it just allowed me to grow as a person. I developed more confidence. I was more confident in myself. I, tried to encourage teammates. Um, and I really took the, you know, the ball is life aspect and said, I don't want to be the main scorer. I want to be a team player and get everybody involved. So I was really, I like to call it like a point post. Um, I facilitate through the inside position rather than the point guard position. Um, and really tried to make it fun for everybody. So I was, uh, my assists were higher than any other post player. I was leading the league in assists with guards and, um, you know, it just kind of, it became my safe space, actually. So how does that affect how you interact with your players as far as your coaching philosophy? What would you say your coaching philosophy is? Um, it's still young and developing, but I would like to, you know, have 
young girls become competitors. Uh, again, there's nothing wrong with competing with each other, giving your best effort. Whoever wins, wins, you know, but you both improved. You both got the experience of the competition, the communication skills when you add more people into it. Um, and I would also like to just give confidence as well. You know, I know when I was younger, confidence wasn't always there. You kind of had to fake it till you make it. Um, and that's where I'm at at this moment, trying to get young girls some confidence and understanding and they can do more than they think they can do um, and dig deeper and challenge them a little bit more. So with these kids now, I mean, there's so many opportunities for them to play ball or other sports. How do you recommend kids start getting involved for for kids in, you know, say the grade school age? Well, I have a hoops program that we run. It's um, it's from grades three through eighth that they get to play outside of the school school system as well. So it gives them a chance to meet other players and other girls from other schools to become one team. Uh, I run a program called Little Panthers. It's kindergarten through third grade for girls to come in in our season. We have five practices in our season that we will teach them with the high school girls and interact with each other. They will learn you know, valuable skills that are perfect for their age level. You know, it's not lots of shooting or anything. It's more ball handling, passing, communication, um, just some fundamentals and develop them into that. So that's how I would uh, recommend they get into it. Um, But basketball is kind of a hard sport right now to have a draw to for some reason. A lot of people go to club volleyball, a year-round sport now that they play indoors. Um, So it's basketball numbers have dropped and I'm doing my best to get them up, but it's going to take some time. And unfortunately, uh, probably years at that. Wow. I didn't realize that the numbers had declined. Very, very much so. Sadly, very much so. Is that a post-COVID phenomenon or was that coming on prior? Uh, Maybe a little prior, but definitely post-COVID. Okay. Um, You know, the point area shut down. So basketball kind of got shut down and kids didn't practice, you know, and then some kids, you know, learn that, oh, life on the couch is kind of fun. You know, like I don't have to go to practice, you know, and then you you get out of sports in a way, Mm -hmm. which there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, numbers are low for girls basketball in in Wisconsin and really got to try to get those numbers up for us to have uh, good success in the future. So with those numbers low, you're still looking for the best team you can put on the court. What does the ultimate player look like for you? Um, very selfless, team orientated, um, good communicator, obviously talent, you know, plays a part, but hard work and consistency is a big component for me. Um, so yeah, the body language, another big component, you know, it's, you can be affected on the court or while playing, but you don't necessarily have to give off, um, that attitude that you are affected you know, and again, people sometimes wear their emotions on their sleeve and it's very easy to read, you know, so like as a player, we would say, okay, oh, you got to advantage, take advantage of that player. You can see she's struggling, you know, Mm -hmm. so like that's where I want to get players to understand. You can still struggle, but can, you know, maintain your composure and whether you're taking a test or driving test or, you know, math test, it's have your composure and understand you put in the work and you're here for a reason and you should be successful at it. Yeah. Well, and I know, I mean, one of the things I came away from with from my high school sports career 
was maintaining your composure, mm-hmm. just period. And y- you do that, you are 90% of the way there, it seemed, at least. Really, it, it truly is. It, yeah. And don't make dumb mistakes because of composure, for yep. sure, you know, no matter what's going on. Yep. And that, uh, well, I'll give you credit for that. That's a big, it's a big thing. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> so when you get your players in, like you're going to have tryouts here in just a little bit, do you expect to have people try out for a position or do you expect to primarily just take the people and shift them where you need them? I will take people and shift them where I need them. Um, like I said, numbers are low, so it's kind of hard in that aspect. Uh, but people have an idea of what they can do. Some people want to be a point guard and dribble the ball. Some people think they're shooters and want to shoot. Uh, the whole idea of tryouts is is they do whatever they think they can do at, to the best of their ability, and I you know, evaluate it. And I say, okay, you know, John would work good with this player because this player likes to penetrate and John's a good shooter, you know? So I put, I put you in those positions, um, to try to be successful as an individual and as a team. John is not a good shooter. Ah, John will be the dribbler then. Yeah, no well, more. I'm, 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 John can come sit next to me on the bench. Me, there you go. I could be the goon. That's all what I'd <laughs> yeah. be good for. Yep. Hey, everybody's got a role. That's everybody's right. Everybody's got yeah, a role. Yeah. So how do you anticipate, or, well, you've had plenty of experience, but how do you structure your practices? Is that something where you go in with a plan for how you're going to do it? Do you make adjustments on the fly? How do you handle that? I have an outlook that I would like to have reached by the days we get there, like one week, two weeks, three weeks, things like that. Um, But usually I build practices the day before or the day of, because I know what we need to work on from what happened yesterday in the practice or yesterday in the game. Um, So it's really, it's daily for me. I don't really cut and paste to one practice to the next. It's John didn't do good shooting, so you know we got to spend more time shooting. Or ball handling, passing was weak. We really need to emphasize how to be able to get passes to players and you know things like that. So it's really day to day is how I how I plan my practices. And is how is your game prep then, or the, is that is it one and the same? It's pretty much the same. Okay. I will spend a lot of time watching the opposing team that we play uh, as much as I can to learn. Uh, for the players, I won't expect them to watch games. They will get a 10 or 15 minute clip from me that has the plays broken down so they can say, okay, you know, John likes to drive left. So make sure we cut off his left and force him right. Things like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of that is on, on me and my coaching staff and then putting what we learned into practices to prepare the team for what they will be going against. So what are the misconceptions that are out there regarding either women's basketball, girls' basketball, women's basketball, or SPASH individually? For the young girls, everybody thinks you got to be tall to play basketball, and that is incorrect. You know, some small players, Muggsy Bogues, for one, is, you know, I think 5'1 or 5'2". He used to play in the NBA back in the day. He was actually my coach in Charlotte when uh, I was with the Charlotte's thing when Michael got there. So that was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, you don't have to be a great ball handler. You don't have to be a great passer. You don't have to be tall. Um, you just have to have a want to play. You got to have an enjoyment for it. And, um, obviously tall is good, but it's not needed. Mm -hmm. And I would say just, you know, put some effort in and if you enjoy it and it's fun, it's worthwhile to try. So with all the experience you have in basketball so far, what's your favorite story related to anything you've been through in or around with basketball? Uh, okay. I have a few. I'll, I'll 
make them G-rated so all our <laughs> listeners can uh, enjoy. When I was in China, um, you know, it was very hectic. I only had one person on my team that spoke English, and that was my translator. Uh, I spent two months not talking to anybody except her, and then I ended up wanting to leave. So they let me leave, but my flight, for some reason, was delayed or something. So anyhow, I got to go tour China for two and a half days. So I spent all the money I made on cars and renting, you know, uh, like black SUVs to go tour. Got to go to Tiananmen Square. I went to the Great Wall of China. Excuse me, Great Wall of China. Probably walked two or three miles on that, you know, and just out and about. Um, another one, when we won the 2013 championship uh, with the Minnesota Lynx, winners usually get to meet the president. So I got to go meet Barack Obama oh. um, at the White House. He knew me by name. He congratulated me on all my awesome passes, you know, like fun stuff that, again, somebody from Custer, Wisconsin, I never would have thought this would have been possible or even come close to happening. And here I am in the Oval Office shaking hands with the president. So pretty cool stuff. Wow. Tiananmen Square to the Oval Office. That, okay. I have to hone in on the Tiananmen Square. Yes. When you were there, was it just a big open square? I can't imagine they had anything other than that. It is a big open square. And then uh, the Forbidden City is adjacent to it mm-hmm. and that was you had to have tickets or something to go into but Tiananmen Square was basically Central Park with no trees you know it's just a big area that is open and big Chinese flag and all kinds of people touristing I guess huh and I was right there I looked I looked like a tourist everybody else just stared at me like well I have to imagine I mean you were you stood out I did stand out <laughs> yes. I was I was evident that I was not uh, from there Plus, I was walking around with my camera on a GoPro stick and a selfie stick, you know, trying to get all the good angles, and I definitely stood out. So Yeah, yeah, but what an experience, really. So tell me what you think, what do you think the future of basketball, high school basketball as a whole looks like? Do you think those numbers are going to rebound? I do. I think people, you know, after corona, I think people can start to get back to normal, normalcy a little bit. Uh, I think youth will start to find their love for basketball again. You know, not everybody is a volleyball player, softball player. You got to find your niche and get in where you can fit in. Um, and basketball happened to be that for me. Um, like I said, I didn't start playing until seventh, eighth grade, truly. So there really is no reason for you to think that just because you haven't started at second grade doesn't mean you're going to become, you know, a basketball player. I think I thought I would have been a better softball player than I was basketball at the time. I mean, I could hit dingers, you know, like basketball wasn't even a side. It was a side note, but then all of a sudden basketball flourished when I picked it up. So, you know, I wouldn't have known if I didn't try. So in your opinion, Janelle, you've got the kids that are basketball sees like straight through year round. And then you've got the kids that kind of rotate through different sports. What do you prefer in a player? I would prefer a multi-sport athlete. Why um, is that? You just have more understanding of yourself and your body and what you're able to do. You learn different things with different sports. Volleyball is completely different training than basketball. Basketball is completely different than soccer or cross country or anything. You know, everything adds up and creates a complete player. I would say that is one thing that helped me as well as I was not simply playing basketball 12 months out of the year as a child. I was baseball, football, soccer, softball, tennis. I mean, shot put, anything I could do, I did. But that all led me to understanding that basketball is where I could excel. 
So let me just hone in on you for a second. Yes. As a farm farm girl. Yes. If, there's a couple farm girls. You're not the only one from Stevens Point who's really flourished in the basketball. I mean, I don't think that's coincidence. One of the things I notice with these kids coming off the farm, they're so much stronger. Mm-hmm. Speak to that for me, if you would. Well, <clears throat> you have chores on the farm, so... You know, people got to throw out hay, and hay is not light. You have to shovel um, the deposits that the animals make <laughs> that is not light. The exhaust. Yes, the exhaust, the uh, the remnants. So, you know, there's just – and, again, you learn how to use your body. You're jumping on hail bays. You're, you know, climbing up tractors. You're doing anything and everything. And all that is kind of similar to being a multi-sport athlete because you're testing yourself and doing different things to find out what you can and cannot do. So do you think that helped you overall? Absolutely. Did you run into any other kids with a farm history that you found that have been exceptional, either that you've played with or against? Maybe not like full farm, but a country lifestyle, yes. Okay. You know, not everybody runs a full operating farm, um, but there are people who live in the country who do enjoy, you know, outdoor activities that create multi-sport activities. lifestyle at home with brothers and sisters playing different things. Um, and that's kind of it. So yes, I do believe it would help. And I would recommend anybody to be a farmer to uh, try sports. It, that is a challenge. I mean, let's just dig there for a second. That is a challenge because there you've got chores and basically a job on top of your school. So, I mean, that's not something you can just lightly go into really. And it, it the family has to make sacrifices from what I've seen for mm. the athlete, correct? 100%. Like I said, for, for myself, my father worked far away in Milwaukee. So Monday through Friday, he was gone. And mom was only home alone with us. And I had older brothers and sisters that needed attention and places to be driven to as well. So um, you got to play a sport, but you didn't just get to you know play a sport because you thought it was okay. Like you had to be developed or uh, you had to give everything for that sport because mom wasn't, you know, going to drive you to town and wait two hours and then drive you home if you didn't, you know, give your best. Um, so yeah, sacrifices were made all around, but then again, it also brought my family together and got to travel and see things. I've taken my father overseas and done things with him, taken mother on vacations, places, and, you know, family all shows up at uh, a championship game, you know, and you win together. It's, it's quite the experience. So as, as much, as many sacrifices that were made, you know, Good, good memories are made from them as well. Sure. So what, with this team that you're going to be taking on this year, what are your goals for this team? Uh, just develop. <clears throat> you know, we are young. There's two returning players from last year's team. Um, they will be juniors this year. I have a senior returning coming off an injury. She had a great volleyball season, so she looks healthy and ready to go. Uh, so that leaves me with three people uh, in an upper class status, and then the rest will be youthful players, sophomores and uh, players that I coached last year on the JV team that, you know, what the whole idea was, was to prepare them to be on varsity in the future. So it was development and, you know, not necessarily just win games. It was develop and learn and get the fundamentals you need to be successful individually and collectively as a team. So hopefully what I did last year with them pays dividends now. So when is your first game? Do you know? By, I, oh, I know everything. I got oh, it all done. Well. I can't wait. Um, first game is November 16th. First home game is December 1st for those listening. Um, come on out. Support us at Spash Field House. 
but yeah, first game, we have a scrimmage on um, the first Saturday. So there's not a lot of practices. I think it's eight practices before our first game. Wow. So you've got thrust, a, thrust a lot, into it. Yeah, a lot of work. A lot of work. But, you know, I spent some time with the girls this summer in preparation, had summer leagues. Um, they took really well to what I taught them in a short amount of time. So I'm, I'm optimistic that we have uh, a good chance to do good things in the Wisconsin Valley Conference. Awesome. Yes. All right. Anything else we should throw out there before we wrap this up? Um, not that I can think of other than, you know, encourage youth girls to go out for basketball and, uh, you know, sports in general. Just keep being athletic, keep getting out there. Uh, multi-sport athletes are very beneficial to youth sports growing into becoming a varsity sport and on. There are lots of scholarships available and you don't know who's looking, so you should always give your best. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Janelle. I sure appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me, John. Today's show is brought to you by Point Forward Physical Therapy. Please share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to schedule a time to meet with a physical therapist for a free injury screening, call us at 715-254-3978.